if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain that. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimal relationship. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The views, information or opinions expressed during the Journey podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and does not represent Wise Words Imaging or any other company. Wise Words Imaging is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy. Any of the information contained in the podcast series is available from the respective owner. Enjoy the show. Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say that he's on a journey. David Hackett! Joining me today on the journey is a man called Daniel. Daniel's going to tell us his journey. Daniel, welcome to the journey. Great. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate you having me on your show. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. And as you gathered, I'm not American. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that is uh, that is quite all right. Uh, I don't know if I'm American either. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know what I don't know what breed I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in England, they call them uh, Eins 57 because you don't know what you are. (laughs) Yeah, it's a mixed match of just about everything. So tell us about your story. Why? Did you feel attracted to the journey? Well, you know it uh, because I, I my my journey is one of uh, you know hardship growing up and taking that hardship, finding a something that would balance my life. And then ultimately completely flipping around what I had experienced growing up and am now (laughs) reciprocating that moving forward. So when I was uh, two, my parents had placed me in a foster home with my two other brothers. And we were often abused. Uh, My brother, who was younger than me, was tied down in his crib so he wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, these foster parents didn't want to watch us. They didn't want to keep an eye on us. They locked us in a room. Mm. Um, And then the only time that I remember them ever unlocking that room was when we had to go fend for ourselves to find food. They would actually leave food out on the table. We'd have to go steal the food off the table in order to eat. Mm. So it was just a, a reciprocal mess of, um, abuse for us and there was often times where I was backed into a corner yeah by my foster dad and and told you know I wouldn't amount to anything in life and he would often call me a piece of shit and uh you know that that's that's what my early days from age two to five looked like until the halls showed up and uh I remember that day when they showed up David it was uh I I knew I had to get out of there I I knew it just 
something had to give and I whipped it out and I started peeing all over the wall, you know, and uh, uh, the halls, Maggie Hall in particular, must have known that I needed the most help in that situation. And they got me out of that home. And two years later, they would adopt me. So that was that was kind of, you know, I grew up just knowing that trauma. So that trauma would follow me up into my teens, up until about 15 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, until I met my second wife, Tina, who, um, uh, you know, just, yeah, I, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, I, I understand it, Tom, because I'm not saying I was adopted or in any special, you know, adoptive, you know, situation myself. But when I left home, I was deemed to be, in the eyes, not suitable to be living alone, you know, in the UK. So I had to live in, as they called it, supported accommodation. Yeah. And... I'm not saying names and I always don't say names because I don't want to get those people into trouble. But I will use this example. I had to take my tablet and to make sure I took my tablet, they made sure I took it by standing there until I took it. And if I didn't get up, they poured cold water over me just to get me out of bed. Uh, I was 18. I only just left home. I was scared. Yeah. Uh, this was the first time I was away from living at home, my comfort zone. Yeah. And this is how graphic it is for me, and you probably can understand it. Yeah. One of the other clients... And I'm going to be graphic in it, and I don't mind being graphic because it's it all right. I was yours. I was abused by another person living in the same house. I was sexually assaulted. Wow! And they didn't wow. do anything about it. And when wow. I did, and when I did report it, they just laughed it off, saying he does it to everyone who comes in. Man, that's uh. You know, and, and that lives with you. And yeah. uh, man, I can't, I can't. And that inner trauma lives with me daily. You know, my yeah. life, when I came to America, that's the first thing I trusted her telling her when I first met her. I said, this happened to me. I had to tell her because, that, and I will be honest, because this is me being honest. It leaves me scared being intimate. Yeah, yeah. And she often thinks, why? And I'm thinking, it's not your fault, but it feels like I'm punishing her for the way. What happened to me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, David, that's a, that's a, so amazing that you share that. That's. Uh, I'm sharing it because I want my yeah. listeners and viewers to hear. This is not David, the people who see me on Facebook or David on YouTube or this is the serious David. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing, man. That, that's amazing to, yeah, to be able to get I that out. That's why I relate to you about your abuse, because yeah. I can understand it's not pretty. And I will go into me growing up. My mom was a single parent. I'm not condoning that in any way, but she was in a homosexual relationship because she is a lesbian. Yeah. I grew up with people mocking me, bullying me. I was not in a home suitable that people would say is suitable for me to live in, but I lived there for most of my life until I was 18. When I was yeah. 18, I expected to move out and be safe. I wasn't safe. 
Yeah, it it that uh, that puts a oh man, that's that's a whole new twist on your life. Yeah, and um, you see me because you saw my profile on LinkedIn. You see what I've done in my life. She belittled that, thinking I wouldn't get far in life. Yeah. Why am I in America if I haven't got far in life? <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad we're connected, man. Yeah. David, I'm so glad we're connected. It's uh, it's a blessing. You know, That's how I. Call it, it is. It is. Um, and it's not about know, me. It's about you and. That's why I wanted to tell Oh, that's you. okay. And that's why I want us to share so everyone can see. It's not about one person. It's about two sharing the same. Yeah. Yeah, and I can, I can, I can 100% relate to what you're telling me, not from experience, but through the eyes of my oldest daughter, who was uh, basically the same thing happened to her by her biological parents uh, from age three to eight. And uh, that's, that's why they came into our home because of the, the sexual abuse and, and the, just, just the physical abuse. And uh, that was a pivotal moment of my life that I started healing uh, is when we got our first placement of two little girls. Uh, it was the first time I saw myself through their eyes, all those behaviors, all that trauma that had impacted my life and made me the way I was mm. I saw all those same behaviors through their eyes yeah. and that was that was healing for me that was healing to see that hey maybe it wasn't just you know me being me it yeah. was me trying to find a way to cope with my self growing up and the, you know and, and, and the upsetting thing is people <clears throat> think it's you being awkward if you have anger yeah. and you think yeah. people are thinking He's just being himself, or they, she's being himself. Yeah. That's your or that he's a, or that I'm a spoiled brat, or yeah, you know. And they seeking it. Um, the common one for me growing up was seeking attention, mm -hmm. because I did yep. things to seek attention. You know, growing up, yeah. I seeked attention. I did things, and I'm not. You know, I regret them now because obviously I've grown up. I'm 37. I'm 38 this year. Yeah. But I did silly things just to impress people to say, look at me. You know, I went to college. Instead of getting a college degree or whatever you want to call it, in my first year at college, I got expelled for doing a... And it was serious. I did a serious prank and it got me... I'm not saying it because I don't encourage anyone yeah. to do it. But I did a serious prank which got me expelled. So I have to ask, I'm going to flip it on you here. Do you regret anything up to us talking right now? Do you regret anything in your life that has brought you to this moment in talking to me? I think the biggest regret was holding back for so long about telling people what happened to me. Yeah. Because I'm always afraid people will, and I'll say this, and people can relate to this but like you can, and I hope my listeners, viewers, can relate to as well. You don't have to suffer alone. But I was suffering alone. There was no yeah. one in my life at the time who I could turn to and say, yes, yes, they saw the anger outbursts. And it took me a lot to say what happened to me. But those people didn't stay in my life. Yeah. Those people, yeah. you know, you get people and you can understand it. People come and go. You've got a supportive wife now. I've got a supportive wife. 
And the condoning thing is, abuse still happens. Yes, you are 100% correct. And that's not me looking at your notes, because I've got some notes here, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, abuse still happens. And it's a damaging thing, because no one does anything about it, because they're too scared. And when you hear about a man getting abused, they just think, that doesn't happen. It usually, you know, it's the flip side. Usually females get abused. Men get yeah. abused. You know, and, and people people kind of do the same thing with uh, uh, disabilities as well. Uh, you know, for, for somebody to see or to recognize a person as being disabled or having a disability, they look for something that is physically visible or physically wrong with the, that person to classify them as disabled. Yeah, it's a quick Where when you when you bring in the, the mental health world on that, you don't always see the mental health problems. You don't see the PTSD. You don't see the fetal alcohol and a child that has severe problems self-regulating themselves. Mm. You don't see any of that under the hood. <clears throat> and and that is there's there's a, a lot of work that goes into to to working with our children that have those mental health issues, but society doesn't always see them as uh mentally handicapped or handicapped period they classify them as normal yeah so now you are adoptive parent yourself you know and now I, that's the flip that's yeah. part of the journey yeah. of uh you well, know, we yeah. have six six adopted and special needs. i can see the amazing work they do and i can see how proud yeah by the way you i am got the work behind you and yeah. i'm not gonna ask what their needs are but i can imagine they all talented they are. They are in their own unique way. You know, and I'll share a story from two days ago that I haven't shared before. And this is my son that's autistic. He has level two autism. And he was having a, uh, or my youngest daughter, who's five, was screaming and yelling, throwing her normal temper tantrum that she throws from time to time. She's being herself, her own five-year-old yeah. self. And he heard it on the car drive, he was coming back from tap dance. He is, he's danced now for two years. He loves tap dancing. Mm -hmm. He loves music. And uh, he said, mommy, I don't want to go inside because I'm going to hurt Bella because she's screaming and it's, she's too loud. I'm going to hurt her. I don't want to go inside because I don't want to hurt her. So he recognized the danger. And that's, that's man, that's huge for us. That is so huge that he can vocalize. <laughs> he can vocalize himself to let us know how he's feeling. Yeah. And we've worked so hard for him to tell us how he feels because for, for autistic people, you don't always get that kind of feedback from them. No. It is just, it's static sometimes. And you're scratching your head trying to navigate how they're feeling because that's so, a minefield of its own kind of yeah they have their meltdowns they have their moments where you're thinking what's going on in their head and they don't yeah. they keep themselves to themselves and you think what's going on yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, part of that navigation. We, we talk, I have this a mug at my, it's empty now. I just finished the last of it. It, it says size matters. And uh, for us, it's go small or go home because it's all those tiny steps in life that I used to think had to be big steps when I was younger, it had to be big grandiose things. Mm. But I've learned through my, the eyes of my children and my wife and my family that we have to take those small steps with our children. And something as simple as putting on a pair of socks um, and getting dressed in the morning, I'll help Parker get dressed. He's the one with autism. I'll help him get dressed. Buddy, you're awesome. You got your, you got your underwear on. Let's get your socks on. You got one on, you got two. You did a great job. Now you got to get your shirt on. You know, for him, he's scared to go to school. We have him in regular, regular school doing, you know, he's in, he's going to be going into the third grade. He's just finishing up second grade. And, you know, he's scared because it's hard. It's hard for him. I so scared. I scared. And then there's the fire drills. Because obviously now. Fire drills just with the his hearing and stuff. You know, I found out the other day, and this is my squirrel moment where I'm deviating off on a totally different tangent. <clears throat> found out the other day that autistic people hear things at different frequencies than we do. They, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say normal people, but that we, meaning my wife and I, he can hear things at either lower or higher frequencies. Mm. And he's like, what's that? I'm like, what's that? And he's thinking? talking about a noise, <laughs> you know? And I, I guess uh, um, my wife had learned that, you know, they hear things at different frequencies than yeah. we do. And, it and, is, and it's such a frequency that we often think, what is it? Yeah, yeah, and we can't we can't discern or hear or figure out what it is. So for him to go to school and he hears the fire alarms, you know that scares the crap out of him. And every day he has to go in and check in with a person at school. Is there going to be a fire drill today? Fire drill today every day. So for him to get his socks and his shoes and his shirt, all of those are small victories every single day. So it's go small or go home. You know, it's those small victories that get us to where we need to go in life. And I assume that's where you come as well, because you took the small steps to be the bigger picture where you are now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I applaud that a lot because, you know, there is not many people who are great. Like I said, I'm not really brave enough to come out and talk about me opening because I've only just started talking to you, but I am because I can relate to it. Yeah, and your yeah. journey—I'm not saying it's ended, but it's still going on because it's helping people. Yeah, it'll never end until the day I die. But what we do in life echoes in eternity. Yeah. So you know, my journey will never end. It'll constantly. There's one thing that um, my wife and I want on my epitaph. Well, that's not that's not the thing. But on my epitaph, I wanted to read a man that was kind, that reciprocated kindness through failing often. And the only thing that we want for our children is when we're gone is to show up for each other, 
to be there for each other. Because at the end of the day, if we can achieve that, then I know I can pass on peacefully knowing that they have each other and they can support each other. And, you know, they're going to learn from each other exactly the way that we taught them. And they're going to bring their own kindness to the table. Yeah. It's like, um, um, I'm a father to an autistic girl because she developed it that, for me. Because I, awesome. I have Asperger's, but that's why I find it difficult to offload about my life. But I haven't seen my daughter since she was five years old. Now, I look on social media, not intentionally, I look on social media and see where she is because she's living with my ex-partner's aunt, it's, you know, paternal, whatever it is. And I see how she is now. And I think, why disturb the apple cart and upset her when I know she's safe where she is? You know, part of being a great parent, David, is knowing what your limitations are. Yeah. And uh, when I trained, I trained 400 plus inbound foster and adoptive parents over the past 12 years. And one of the key thing, key takeaways from my training is always know what your limitations are as a person, uh, as a parent. I respect, I have the utmost respect for anybody that says, I don't want to have children because I'm not ready. I respect that. I completely 100% respect that because that person knows what their limitations are as a person, because there's no reason to go into trying to be a parent without, you know, going in, going in with everything that you have and being, uh, being able to, you know, make that free time and give of that time that you never have. That's not being selfish. It's just, that's what your limitation is. Yeah. So I applaud that. And, you know, I'm proud every day. If I see something new, I'm proud of it. I even, and I will say it loosely, I look up where I know she goes to school and I do see she achieves well in school. And last year, for the first time, I actually saw something that actually made me cry since my grandparents died. And that was because she got recognised for being burst out. Yeah. You know, there's a, uh, I go back to Parker. Parker's probably my biggest teacher. All of my kids are are, are teachers to me. They, they teach me about myself. They teach me about my limitations. And they teach me about how I can better those limitations. Parker is probably the biggest one. And I had my huge crying moment when he was at the recital last year. And I saw all the girls backstage. Parker was getting ready to go on and they were all going like this, you know, and Parker was going like this because he was (laughs) ready. And that's how they sign applause. Yeah. Yeah. So Parker, when he gets excited, he goes like this you know, and all the girls, they weren't making fun of him. They were applauding with him, you know, to go get out on stage. And I just, I I lost it because he is so accepted by people that understand him. And, um, you know, I was skeptical about putting him in dance and, and whether he would, you know, freak out and, but man, he has thrived for the past couple of years he got it. He he got his trophy last year, and he came home and he slept with it all night. I'll send you that picture. 
it was it was amazing just to you know and uh well, it's, how, it's, it's those little memories that makes you smile and cry yeah I, right. I haven't met him but i just feel emotional to see him those are the small victories man yeah those are the small victories that uh and those are the small memories you know uh there's a really really awesome dad on linkedin there's a lot of awesome dads but the one that sticks out to me is michael ray and if you're not connected with michael ray you get, do yourself a favor get connected with michael ray he has a a daughter maddie who has down syndrome and michael goes around uh and gives out gift cards to people that are in need and uh it just it's amazing what he does and there's one thing that he says uh, that reciprocates with me is that people will always remember how you make them feel. I so, and Parker has a lot of people that he's impacted <laughs> because he's just put a smile on their face yeah. so many times just by being him, just like your daughter. Yeah. yeah. And I, like I said, she's 15 now. Yeah. And it only seems that yesterday I was holding her in my arms and as a baby, and I'm thinking, Time's flying. <laughs> I remember. You know that, my... I remember last time I saw her. She knew I, who I was, but the yeah. fact was she couldn't call me daddy all the time. Her first word, even though she was autistic, was daddy. Yeah. And I asked her again, and she just laughed at me. <laughs> so those are so, the little memories for me. But that's awesome. That is awesome. You know, and um, yeah, there's one thing that. Uh, uh, my son was two and I would yell and scream at him and yell and scream and yell and scream. Uh, but there was one morning that uh, I was particularly frustrated with him and I yelled at him and finally Tina had had enough because I couldn't self-regulate and I couldn't help my son self-regulate. And this was eight years ago because he's 10 now. And she turned to me and she's like, you need to stop. You need to listen with more than just your ears to what his needs are. Mm -hmm. So I spent the last few years, you know, just understanding what that meant, you know, listening with more than just your ears. It's plugging your ears, looking at what you see and watch how your kids interact with each other. It's, you know, taking the listening with your heart, yeah. you know, and knowing somebody so well that you know what's going to happen, you know, cause and effect. Because a lot of the a lot of kids with mental health issues like reactive attachment disorder and fetal alcohol have that they don't have that cause and effect thinking. So you almost have to be there and be that cause and effect thinking for them and prompt them in different ways to make sure that they make the right choices. <laughs> so that. listening with more than just your ears. Yeah. is uh, how we roll in our family. And sometimes just standing there listening to them is a key thing as well. Yeah. If you talk, they will tell you to go away. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, one of the other things that uh, Parker does is he'll start laughing and giggling, but it's this, it's this weird laugh and this weird giggle. And maybe your daughter does the same thing. When, when he's tired and he's done for the day, it'll almost be like a, um, a kind of corny laugh. 
that he starts getting into. And he just starts cackling at everything. You could snap your finger and he would just laugh hysterically at it. And to some people, they would think that he's just, you know, he's being goofy and stuff. But for us, you know, we know he's getting tired. He's at the end of the day. He's ready to be done. And that helps us. That's that's part of listening with more than just your ears. But it's just knowing what their needs are based upon what you're seeing and what you're what you're feeling at that time. Yeah. To sum up, because I know it's pretty much happened now, and we talked about your story as well, which I applaud because you're brave for telling it. What would you tell people watching or listening now, the way forward in your vision, what would you want to tell people to be inspired? Take some time and just reach out to, you know, somebody that's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a stranger, but just reach out to somebody and, you know, ask them how they're doing or, you know, check in on them, be kind, you know, find a way to, you know, every day, just do something kind for somebody. It doesn't have to be this grand, grandiose, huge thing. Um, and sometimes it's just something as simple as instead of thank you, just make it more genuine. Like, thank you so much for, you know, what you did. You know, sometimes just adding a few extra words to there gives something so much more depth and meaning. And that kind gesture goes a lot more, a lot further because you make them feel much better about themselves. And if you can make people feel better about themselves, they're always going to remember how you make them feel. Thank you. And that is truly yeah. a good way to end. But thank you for sharing your journey. And yes, we will stay in touch about sharing your picture, what you're going to share me. And we can talk, talk LinkedIn, wherever. And Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And yeah, and I'll, I'll reach out to a couple of my... Uh, uh, a few of my uh, connections too, because uh, there's DJ uh, Durante that does one on mental health, and I'm sure she'd love to have you on her show oh, as well. Oh, yeah. So let's stay connected, David. I really appreciate okay. everybody taking time out of their day to to spend it with us. No worries, and thank you for sharing your journey with us today. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Want to be part of the journey? Why not share your journey? Email wisewords1983 at outlook.com. Until next time, bye-bye from me and David. Do you want to say bye?